Josh said, I'm Ben. Um, I've been a part of the church for about two and a half years. Um, I am very proud to lead a connect group with Rory and Hannah. Um, we do have a few troublesome members like Josh, but we're working through it. Um, I'm married to Amy. Uh, during the week, we are a speechwriter and a cheesemonger, which I think is just fun to say because it sounds like a nursery rhyme or something like that. Um, yeah, but it, like this is our church family. Um, as I say, we've been here for about two and a half years, and um, Connect Group has just been such a blessing to us this year. It's been such a source of support and prayer and encouragement. Um, hopefully, that's been true for a lot of you guys as well. Um, but it's great to continue that over summer through this series. It's always a little bit weird um, sitting in pews on a Wednesday, Wednesday night, but um, I guess the church kind of figured, you know, we've already lost track of what month and year it is because of the pandemic, so why not the day of the week as well? Um, but what we're really doing here is just a continuation of what we've been doing all year in, house, in uh, houses and on Zoom, uh, which is meeting together as a community to explore God's word, to encourage each other, to pray for each other. Uh, so just to recap the series so far, kind of Netflix style, catch you guys up. Um, in week one, Lydia kicked off by reminding us that it's okay to be needy when it comes to receiving his love. Uh, Amanda then challenged us in week two, if we want to walk on water and see God move in our lives, we need to leave the boat. There's things that we need to step out of our comfort zone, things we need to leave behind. And then last week, Emma, through um, the people of, through the personalities of Martha and Mary, showed us how Jesus meets us where we are. Um, and she asked us the question that really stuck with me. I don't know about anyone else, but if we believe this stuff is true, this stuff we read in the Bible, how would it change how we live our lives? Uh, this week, I think that the question being asked is, and Josh alluded to it there, but if we knew how good God really is, how would our prayers look different? So let's jump in, shall we? We're in um, Mark 10, and it's the story of Bartimaeus, which is hopefully going to come up, but if not, maybe you've got it on phones or uh, in a Bible. So then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Now when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, come on, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now, as Josh said, tonight we're looking at asking. And I know asking is a difficult topic in our British culture. We have an aversion to asking for help or for support or for saying something we want because we think it's impolite or we think it's grasping or we think it's inconveniencing someone else. As the saying goes, I want never gets. A few of you knew that one. If you didn't, some well-trained people in the room, but others less so. Um, so because of that, growing up, I was the kid that just never had an opinion on anything. 
my parents would be like, what do you want, Ben? And I'd go, oh, I don't mind. You know, whatever there's most of, uh, let, let my brother and sister have what they want. And that might sound angelic, but thinking back, it was probably a pain in the backside when they were at the front of a queue going, Ben, please just pick something. And I'm like, oh, you know, whatever, whatever there's most of. And they're like, it's McDonald's. You can literally have whatever you want. Just pick something. <laughs> in contrast, I've been very blessed to marry someone who knows exactly what they like and don't like, and who isn't afraid to say so. It's an admirable quality that I have definitely come to appreciate uh, over the three years we've been together. I might get told off for this after, but pray for me. Um, <laughs> to give a practical example of that, my parents every year ask us for our Christmas lists. Who else still does Christmas lists for the parents as a couple? Yeah, okay. A couple of us still live in the childhood dream. Good. Um, I, in, in writing my list, have always adopted a very kind of frugal approach. You know, I'll, I'll maybe have one big ticket item, I'll have a few mid-range items, and then some kind of low-cost items right down at the bottom. Keep it nice and general, you know, some socks, something like that. Amy's list looks very different. Uh, not only does she put exactly what she's like, but she has been known to give precise details to avoid any possible confusion. To bring this to life, I'm just going to give a couple of examples from the very first list that she gave to my parents. Brace yourselves. Amy likes baking, that'll become clear through this. Example one, non-stick baking sheet, brackets, and in capitals, must be Silpat brand, close brackets. <laughs> Example number two, <laughs> set of full glasses, brand, firm living, in clear, again in capitals, link included below. <laughs> now, those who know Amy know that she is anything but demanding, but my parents had asked for what she wanted, and she knows what she likes, so she put what she wanted. More to the point, though, my parents absolutely loved it because they loved getting her exactly what she wanted and seeing her face on Christmas Day when she opened exactly the thing that she wanted. So I'm learning a lot here personally. Um, let me give one more quick example. I was talking to a friend um, not long back about a conundrum that comes up every now and again. Um, it was actually Tim Pemberton, I don't know if he's here, but I was talking to him about it, so it's hereafter going to be referred to as the Pembo Dilemma. Uh, and the dilemma is this. Someone's taking you out for dinner, and they say, I'm paying, all right, this one's on me, it's my treat. Now, you have been hankering for a good steak, all week, or whatever the vegetarian equivalent is for you. But when you get the menu, you realize that that's the most expensive item on there. What do you do? Do you keep it modest, get the cheeseburger, maybe the side salad? Or do you just go all out and order the steak that you want? Now, where you land on that says a lot about your character. Um, and there will be prayer at the end for those who said the steak. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. Uh, so it says a lot about your character, but it also says a lot about the person who's on the other side. How many of you thought, well, it depends who's paying? So for me, if it's the big boss from work, who I know is on three grand a week, I'm going steak, I'm going onion rings, I'm getting a dessert, maybe a little <laughs> bottle of red on the side just to enjoy. <laughs> if it's my student sister that during the week eats cereal out of a coffee mug, I'm suggesting that we leave the restaurant and go to Mackey's instead. <laughs> Either way, what we ask for says a lot about our view of the other person. It says as much about that as it does about us. Now, 
I won't come down on either side of that dilemma to say which is right or wrong. I'm sure it will be debated for centuries to come. But I do think that when it comes to our prayer lives, this passage that we've just read and everything that we read about God in the Bible suggests that he wants us to ask in faith for exactly what we want and nothing less. You can hear the gasps from the Brits in the room. In this story, we see a blind man, Bartimaeus, hearing that Jesus is passing by. So he sits by the road and he shouts for him. Some in the crowd, again, it's probably the Brits, are like, keep your voice down. He's trying to leave the city. You're only going to hold him up. Stop making a noise. But he keeps shouting. And Jesus, who time and time again in the Bible, makes time for people and always responds to faith, calls Bartimaeus over. And the question he asks says so much about the heart of God. He says, what do you want me to do for you? You can imagine the disciples going, "Um, Jesus, I mean, he's clearly blind and you're the most talked about healer in the whole of the Middle East. What do you mean, what do you want? But Jesus still asks the question. What he's really wanting to find out is the measure of the man's faith, how much Bartimaeus is willing to ask for. By asking for full healing for his sight back, Bartimaeus is saying, I believe that you want to heal me and I believe that you can heal me. Coming back to the Pembo dilemma, he's saying, I'm going to order the stake because I think you have the resources to cover it and I think you want to treat me. So what we ask God for says everything about our view of who he is. And if our prayers are a vote of confidence or lack of in his power, then what does your prayer list say about your view of God? Maybe our prayers recently have become a bit timid. Maybe we've stopped asking for the thing that we really want because we don't think it'll be answered or we don't think he cares or we don't think he can or we think, ah, well, God knows my thoughts, so I don't need to ask for something. Or maybe we just don't pray at all. Maybe it's not part of our kind of day-to-day lives. Well, To help us with that, let's look at what scripture has to say about asking. This is just pulling out a few. Ask, and it shall be given. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. If you earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give to those who ask? So the message is really clear. God is both able to answer your prayers and he's willing to do so. But there's an important point to take another verse. If you remain in me and I in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. If you remain in me and I in you. So it's conditional on remaining in him and getting to know him. Our requests should come from our relationship. It's not just a spiritual vending machine where we plug in the numbers and pop, out comes the healing. No, by getting to know God, by reading about him, by taking time to listen to him, our prayers start to reflect his character. Because the more you get to know him, the more you see that his heart is so big and he is so wise and he is so generous. So our prayers become bolder or more frequent or more specific or more honest. And importantly, they become more aligned to his will. You're more likely to ask for things that are good for you and match up with his heart, not just the things that you want for your own gratification although he does also care about your happiness. So our requests start to reflect our relationship. Does that sort of make sense? Um, 
Now, I know some might be thinking, but I've prayed for lots of things over the years and God hasn't answered them. And I think we've probably all felt that. It might be the reason why actually you struggle with prayer and have stopped praying in a way that you might have used to. There is a whole separate sermon on that and I can't do it justice here, but just to kind of encourage you tonight, there could be a host of reasons why he doesn't give us what we ask for. It might not be the best thing for us. It might not be the right time. Or he might want us to learn from the struggle and the difficulty and the setback. But either way, that half of the process isn't down to us. Our responsibility is to believe, to ask in faith, and then to leave the outcome in the hands of the almighty God who knows all things and spans all time. It's the best way to do it. It's not really faith if we're saying, I'm asking for this, but I think I know the best way to make it happen. Faith is about surrendering control completely and going, Lord, I'm praying for this, but I trust you with the outcome. The important thing in all this is to keep asking. To give another couple of verses, um, in all things, through prayer and petition, present your request to God. So it's about prayer and petition over and over again. Perseverance builds character and character hope, and hope does not fail us. So there's a real value to persevering in prayer and just keeping asking. This process will be so good for us. Not only will it help us align our wills with his, but it will also increase our faith because over time we'll start to see our prayers answered and those prayers will get bigger and bolder over time. It will also be really good for our church community, for everyone here. Because when you hear someone pray in faith, it, like, it stirs something in you and it's what I've loved so much about HTC Daily in the last year is just being stirred by hearing others pray about different things every day. But our first step is to get to know him, to see his heart, to understand just how vast his resources are, and then from that knowledge to ask, believing that he can provide. I just want to finish by coming back to the Christmas lists, if I may. Um, Amy applies this principle of asking to her prayers, and honestly, it's been so cool to see how God responds to that. Um, just as one example, who here knows what a kitchen aid is? Okay, a few, but there's some bakers in the room. Um, <clears throat> I won't try and explain because I probably won't do it justice, but it's a bit of very fancy equipment that I'm told allows you to do lots of other things. Um, now, Amy loves baking, so she really wanted a KitchenAid <clears throat> to take her baking to the next level. She wanted to bless others with what she made, but she also just likes baking, and this was just something that she wanted. So because Amy knew that was something God could provide, that, to be honest, our London budget probably couldn't stretch to. Uh, she prayed for a KitchenAid for about two years. She went on praying, and for two years that prayer went unanswered. <clears throat> then, at probably the lowest point of the lockdown, um, she had just received a call uh, for a job from, from a job that she really wanted, saying, look, we've closed the, app, uh, the portal to applications, just kind of suddenly they just did it. Um, and she was gutted, and I was gutted. <clears throat> but then literally one minute later, and I kid you not, one minute later, her phone pings, and it's a text from her mum, who has no idea what's just happened to her, saying she happened to see a KitchenAid on offer, and she had decided to get it for Amy as a gift. I mean, how cool is that? <clears throat> it still, like, chokes me up today, just the generosity of her mum, but also the goodness of the God that lay behind it and that we knew lay behind it. 
Is it possible that after two years of seemingly unanswered prayer, God had saved this little blessing for just the time when he knew his daughter needed it? Is it possible that a God who made the universe cares about baking equipment and little things that we care about? And is it possible that the key to that provision was the faith and persistence of his daughter in prayer? Now, many of you since will have been blessed by the fruits of that KitchenAid. I certainly have. Thank you, Lord. It's been amazing. But I think God just wanted Amy to know that he cares about her um, and that he cares about what we care about. Personally, I'm still on a journey with this. Um, I'm still battling my inner Britishness. But I really don't want to miss out on what God has for me just because I'm too afraid to ask. He's so good and he's so generous. His resources are so vast but he loves responding to our faith and he loves hearing us ask. Um, I'll invite Josh and the band back up if I can to lead our response, but just as I was preparing, I felt people might be um, hearing this from a few different situations. Maybe for some of us, as I said, our prayers have just become a bit timid. My encouragement would be to, to take the Bible at its word when it says boldly approach the throne of God boldly approach, come to him, pray for healing, pray for friends to come to know him, pray for nations to be changed, pray for your workplaces to be transformed, because he can do it, but he responds to our faith. Maybe some people, um, you've kind of been battling with something in prayer, and there's a prayer that's gone unanswered for a really long time. Again, my encouragement would just be to keep presenting your request to him, trust him with the outcome. He has such a good view of events and he'll make the decision that's best for us in the long term. Um, Maybe like me, your prayers are a bit British. Um, You don't think he cares about the little things, you don't think he cares about the material things. Well actually he cares about what's on your heart and that includes material things. You don't just have to pray for world peace and these big endeavours, you can just pray for the little things that are on your heart. Or maybe for some people, prayer just isn't a part of your day-to-day, as I said. My encouragement would be, don't miss out on what prayer can unlock and how it can strengthen your faith. Prayer is a weapon, as it says in the Bible, and there's a powerful, generous God that's waiting at the other side to answer. But tonight, like Bartimaeus, he's asking you, what can I do for you?